Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want you to love it too. Yes, we do. We are also authors and invite you to check out our books, including my books, Potted and Pruned, Homegrown and Handpicked, and Seeded and Sodded, my trilogy of gardening humor. And my book, The 2030-Something Garden Guide and No Fuss, Down and Dirty, Gardening 101 for Anyone Who Wants to Grow Stuff. You can ask for any of our books at your favorite bookstore or find them online wherever great books are sold. And speaking of online, you can also find us as The Garden Angelist on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And we'd love for you to join our Facebook group, The Garden Angelist Garden Club. Now, on to this week's episode. Hi, Dee. Hi, Carol. It's been a whirlwind of gardening this past weekend, hasn't it? It has at my house because we had really good weather and I went out and planted seeds in the potager and then I reseeded my front yard of fescue. I have a small fescue yard and I also fertilized it and that was worth 10,000 steps just doing that. Wow. And not the seed planting, just the grass seed. That's a lot, Dee. I have all my violas planted in pots. And I've done some cutting back the old hellebore foliage and also the epimedium dried up foliage. Cut those all back before those really get going. Why do you cut back your epimedium foliage? I don't cut mine back. I cut it back because it's all dried up and nasty looking and it'll be a better looking. You can see the flowers better without all that. Oh, see, mine becomes an ephemeral and goes all the way back down in the ground because of the summer and goes away. And so I get new foliage everywhere on my epimediums. Oh, well, that's quite the difference because here the foliage stays all season. You know what? I probably am getting that confused with Aranthus. Yes, sometimes my epimedium foliage does go underground. Yes, it does. But this year, some of it stayed above. So actually... It's true of both of those. I mean, they both go away and come back most of the time. It, I don't know why it stays at your place and doesn't always stay at mine. I think it's it too hot in summer. It does. Hmm. But that's just one more example of how different our worlds are. And we're really more similar than, say, if you lived in Florida or Southern California. But we won't go there. Right. We are only similar because we live in flyover country. But anyway, go ahead. All right. So I have a quote for this week. Are you ready? Because we, yes. we have a theme for the week, Dee. We'll talk about our theme. We do. And we love it when we have a yes. theme. Here's the quote. A good gardener always plants three seeds, one for the grubs, one for the weather, one for himself. Somebody named C. Collins. And I got that out of a book and I didn't look up who it was. But it's a nice quote. <laughs> It's a great quote because that's especially true of like green bean seeds, pea seeds, and corn seeds because the crows, in our case, always want the seeds. Not so much the grubs, but in the weather, well, the weather. We won't even talk about the weather. Right. Although it's nice here today. And we got rain. Whoops. I talked about the weather. Whoops. You're not supposed to do that on podcast D. You know that. It's a garden podcast, so it's okay once in a while. So let's talk about seeds, and let's just discuss quickly the seeds I got from Chilterns, Chilterns in the UK. Okay, go for it. Tell us about those. 
So it takes a long time for those seeds to get here because they got to go across the pond. And I kept waiting for them and waiting for them. And meanwhile, other seed catalogs piled up. All of my other seeds came in, which, by the way, I didn't buy enough lettuce. But uh, and don't ask me why. I bought a lot of um, a lot of calendula. And I bought a lot of nasturtiums this year. I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, Dee, that's because I don't do a spreadsheet. Dee, what you were thinking was, we talked about those flowers on our podcast, and you got yourself yes, all excited, and you ordered a bunch of them. I did it again. But I've got places to plant them, so it'll be okay. But I digress. Okay, so Chilterns. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm going through all these catalogs and magazines to put them we actually burn that kind of trash here instead of putting it in the uh, great, you know, trash bag of the sky. So I was looking and all of a sudden there came this nondescript envelope and it had a bunch of um, UK stamps on it. And it didn't say it was from Chilterns. And I thought, what the heck is that? And so I ripped it open in front of Claire, my daughter, and it was from a place called Crown March Battle Barns. I'm not sure <laughs> where that is. It's a very strange, very strange named farm, but it's a livestock farm. And so inside there was this little note from Chiltern, which had all this legal ease on it that said to whom it may concern. And I'm not going to read it all to you because that would be way worse than the weather. But here's the shortened version. You don't have, you now have to have a phytosanitary certificate, even if you ship seeds from the UK, which I knew you did. Right. You can't ship plants, sadly, but you don't have to have one if you ship seeds from a livestock, from a farm or a livestock farm. So under the UK's DEFRA, D-E-F-R-A requirement, you don't have to have that certificate. So children now sends their seeds to this farm, and then the farm sends you the seeds, but you don't know that when you order it, and you could easily throw it in the burn pile with the other paper trash. But I did not, so I got my seeds, and I ordered some weird stuff, weird stuff from them. And you can hear them rattle. This is going to drive Claire, drive Carol crazy later when she tries to edit What this. weird stuff did you get that you couldn't get in the United States? Okay, I got calendula. <laughs> Well, that's really a weird one, D. Calendula, huh? But it's green heart orange. I have not seen green heart orange offered in the United States, right? Right. And of course, you found moneywort, which is Cerinthia major. Yes, honeywort, Cerinthia major. I found that at Renee's garden. Right, which I didn't know Renee had it, or I would have gotten it from her. Then I bought Angelica gigas, and that's Korean Angelica, and I'm going to put that in my upper pasture. And I bought quite a bit of it. And then I bought um, a hollyhock, Alcea rosea, halo apricot. So they had separate out, separated out the halo apricot from all the other halos in that mix. Okay. And I don't know if you can find that here, but I was ordering anyway, so why not, right? And then one of my favorite seed places, Florette Flowers, was sold out of Cosmos Daydream, and I wanted Cosmos Daydream, so I bought it. And then I bought some more of Rubenza because they were limited on how much Rubenza you could get. That's Cosmos Rubenza. And then I bought Dacus Carrata, which is a wild ornamental carrot, and I got that for the bees. And the whole reason, the whole reason I went to Chiltern was to get Nicotiana Langsdorfi. And so I got some of it. And some basil, 
Oh, and a new, new to me anyway, echinacea called Prima Donna Deep Rose, which looked really good. And since it's a seed-borne echinacea, then you can get, it helps your bees and your butterflies. Well, back up a so minute. So I'm going to start up, those back today. Up, back up. Oh, so Dacus carata for the upper pasture, would not we know that as Queen Anne's Lace? Yes, we would, but I don't have Queen Anne's Lace oh, here. Well, I know that surprises you because it grows wild everywhere, it seems like, in the United States. Probably not Southern California. And that's one of those things, Jocus carata is also carrots, but, you know, it's the same genus and species as Queen Anne's Lace. It's the same genus, and it's an umbel. Yes. So that's why bees love it. I don't have any of it in the upper pasture. I may have a little bit in the lower pasture, but not much. So I bought some seed, and I am going to put it in my upper pasture. And I know that sounds crazy, nope. but that's what I'm doing. A anyway. lot of people, that is a beautiful flower. A lot of people like it. And then Delica... That is going to be a big plant as well, isn't it? Yeah, the Angelica gigas or gigas. Yeah, it's going to be very large. And Monty Don grew it in his garden. And I thought, you know, that's another umbel. And so I'm just going to grow it because it's an umbel. There you go. And I've got, I mean, there's like almost an acre up there. And the middle seeds, you know, I, I did all those seeds up there. Right. And the edges are doing great. The middle part is not doing quite as well. And so I'm going to put these out there and a few other things to kind of fill in the middle. I may have to go buy an annuals mix from American Meadows. We'll see. So what did you buy? Well, I both, mostly just bought seeds uh, for my vegetable garden so far and some zinnias. I apparently am well well it, behind you in the uh, buying of seeds, Dee. I'm all done now, except for lettuce seed. I only bought one kind of lettuce seed, and then I also bought... I'm sorry, the cat just jumped up behind me and scared me. I have a story about the cat, but that might be next week. Um, anyway, why didn't I buy more lettuce? Why didn't I buy my favorite lettuce, Black Seeded Simpson? I have no idea why you didn't buy your favorite lettuce. I bought everything else in the world, and I got some mescal mixes as gifts. I bet you can just so... go to the garden center now and buy Black Seeded Simpson lettuce. That's not that uncommon. I am not going to order it, no. no. But, I do, but I do want some. I'm trying a new lettuce seed from... Johnny's. I don't remember the name, so we should move on. I, I do want to know what you've bought so far for your vegetable garden, if you can. No, I cannot remember all of it. I bought the okay. usual stuff. I did order it kind of late, and so I need to get my peas in by the 17th. So hopefully my order comes by the 17th because, you know, i got to plant my peas, and the peas are in that order. I planted two of my peas. For some reason, I've ordered four types. I planted a snow pea called Alaska, and then I planted that new pea that came out from all American selections that was sent to us. You should have that, so you should plant that now, or by the 17th. Yes. Anyway, I planted mine on Saturday, because it's time, people, in Oklahoma, for those cold crops. You better get them in there before it gets hot here. And by the way, we had rain, like I said before last night, so I hit it just right for a change. Really, this section was supposed to be about alternative places for seed, right. which, of course, Chiltern's is, but we wanted to feature somebody we really like. We too. wanted to feature Hayfield on Etsy, which is uh, Nan Andra's seed site, I guess. And yes, she has a lot of really different, mostly flowers, a few vegetable seeds that are open pollinated on her property. And then she carefully harvests those seeds and sells them on her Etsy shop. And people should be a little leery about buying seeds and things on Etsy, but um, but not hers. not hers. And the reason why is if you look down in her description, she tells you that she has a 
certifications from the state agricultural agencies, and you can tell she's legit. There are a lot of scammers out there trying to sell things like seeds for blue tomatoes that don't exist and uh, somebody selling seeds on Amazon for blue mushrooms. Seeds and yeah, whatever mushrooms. Mushrooms. For those who don't know, mushrooms don't have seeds. They come from spores, spores. right? But anyway, we. But there's also blue strawberries, blue dahlias. In other words, if you see a flower on the internet that that looks too good to be true, do some more searching, and you know, do some real searching. Because there was a guy who used to scam people for blue daylilies. There is no such thing so far as a blue daylily. And there are no blue strawberries. Blue is the hardest color to get in plants anyway. And so only certain flowers are blue. It's the least common color. So if someone says they've come up with some new blue something, no. Right. Now, there is a tomato that is really dark purple that has blue in its name, and it's a legit tomato, but it's not blue. Right. And so we're going to put a link out to uh, Hayfield on Etsy. That is a reputable seed source. She has some very unusual blue flowers, by the way, just as a teaser to people to go out there and have a look. Yeah, she does. And those pretzel beans that she grows, um, she and I traded seeds one year. We've traded In fact, we have several years. And so she's part of the Seed Saver. I think the Seed Savers Exchange or a Seed Saver group. And she she knows a lot about seeds, more than I will ever know. And so I think we can definitely trust our friend Nan. Right. So are you ready for the next quote? I am. A real gardener is not a man who cultivates flowers. He is a man who cultivates the soil. If he came into the Garden of Eden, he would sniff excitedly and say, Good Lord, what humus. <laughs> That is Carol, and I'm going to say Capic. Copic. Copic. Yeah, Capic or Copic. From The Gardener's Year, which was actually written in 1931. A great book, by the way. Yes. I have it too. Yeah. And it's a very enjoyable thing to read. We'll put a link to the reprint that you can buy, which is a very lovely reprint. Some reprints are horrible. That one's really lovely. That one's really nice. That's what I have. I don't have the original. And under veggies, I, we have we start our other part of our theme, which is International Compost Awareness Week. Right. The Composting Council Research and Education Foundation has International Compost Awareness Week every year. This year, it's May 3rd through the May 9th, and they have a theme. Right. Soil Loves Compost. Right. And so you can go to their website, which we're linking to in our show notes, and it has got great information about composting. And I got a call. Well, we should talk about what happens this week. I got a call from Megan Huntley, who is the state coordinator for the state of Oklahoma, and she's working on various projects, a lot of projects, in fact. Um, but mostly it's about education, trying to make people aware that compost helps the soil. And I said, are you trying to reach out to people that are not gardeners? Because I think most gardeners at this point understand that compost is important to the soil for lots of reasons. Correct. And she said, yes, we are trying to reach out to the state legislators. And also they are doing, she is doing something with the Oklahoma Metro Library System and some other groups to, for children to learn more about compost. So they talk about all types of composting from backyard to large scale composting and both are promoted. Tours of compost facilities, school gardening programs, compost workshops, lectures by gardening experts, giveaway days, all kinds of things. So our coordinator is Megan Huntley. Indiana does not have a state coordinator, Carol. Well, isn't that interesting? I wonder who 
who would step up to become the state coordinator. Um, I hope it's somebody good and somebody who can really get people excited about composting. I do too. You could do it if you wanted to. I don't. Um, I'm pretty busy, D. I'm very busy. Busy, busy, busy. Um, working on my own. Well, compost. you don't see. I asked Megan how she became the state coordinator, and she said that she volunteered. And she does have expertise in the subject and has been a longtime gardener. And so good for her. You know? Yes. Good for her for stepping up. She gave us some suggestions for our bookshelf this week. Yes, our bookshelf is chock full of books. I had no idea that there were so many books for kids about composting, but you came up with a big slew of them, Dee. I did. For the wee ones, the little ones, there's one called The Little Composter. It's part of the Teeny Greenies series, which made me laugh. Um, I think my granddaughter will have to have this. It's it's a precious little board book. And then I found Compost Stew, which is an A to Z rep- recipe for the earth by Mary McKenna Seidels, and it's illustrated by Ashley Wolf. It looked good. Um, there's also ones for older kids like grubs, bugs, and worms, invertebrates of the underground. Um, that's supposed to be in the three to seven range. It has the word invertebrates in it, though. That's okay. So, kids learn. They, they know okay. words you never heard of, D. Little kids do. And then <laughs> Ma- Magic School Bus Meets the Rot Squad, a book about decomposition by Joanna Cole and illustrated by Carolyn Bracken and Bruce Dagan. Um, my kids loved the Magic School Bus series of books, and they also loved the T-show, TV show. There are so many more books out there that I did not link to, but we linked to these. And if you want to go buy a copy for the little one in your life or the little one down the street, go for it. Kids love bugs. Yeah, they do love bugs. They either love them or they hate them. It's There's no in-between. There is no in-between. But my kids mostly loved them, so cool. That is cool. And... um. The only thing I can contribute is I have a book from the 1940s called The Rude Potato, and it's the poems of Ruth Pitter, and she wrote one called The Compost Heap, which was very funny. I think I've talked oh, about it cute. on here before. I think you've used it, part of it as a quote before. Yes, it's very hilarious. But the point of hilarious. the poem is that um, once you start composting, you sort of get the idea that you want to do a lot more of it, or you should. And the next thing you know, you're really looking for stuff to put on the compost pile, not so much to garden. Right. It's pretty cool. Weird people like us. It's really fun to come. It's weird. It's fun to compost. Yeah. What's fun is when it's all magical later, you know, when it's all turned and it's this great black stuff. And, yeah. Oh, it's and then stuff. you convince yourself because you piled it up that you made that. <laughs> Especially if you're a kid. You right. Love that. Right. So we got one last quote. I'm going to, are you, you D, I have, the dirt, the dirt I have found is the weirdest dirt I have ever found for us. Yeah, it is. It is weird. And the re, we should say, the reason you found this weird dirt, should you say this before or after? You well, the, the reason book? I found the weird dirt is because I was looking for, I was purposely looking for misinformation on the internet related to gardening. And D, you would not believe how easy it is to find that misinformation. Just plain old oh, I bad information. That's how I th- found things like seeds for mushrooms, crazy stuff. Yeah, that's like, well, anyway, go ahead. So here's the quote. Before planting, put into your mouth one or more little seeds. Hold them in your mouth under the tongue for at least nine minutes. Gross. <laughs> and you might poison yourself, D. 
No kidding. What well, you better not do it with certain exactly. seeds. Exactly. Can you imagine putting um castor bean seeds in your mouth? You'll die. That's exactly what I thought. Anyway. Of. The exact same thing. So this is I was thinking of New Zealand castor beans. Well you gotta say who the quote's from. Because I think she's as unreal as the quote. The quote is by someone named Anastasia. And this is the Anastasia method of planting seeds. And the whole idea behind this is that if you suck on the seeds, then the vegetables get encoded with your DNA and they become the medicine just for you. Bunk, bunk, more bunk. Yeah, don't put seeds in your mouth and hold them under your tongue. No. Good grief. And not only that, her name's Anastasia. So say who Anastasia is supposedly. So, and then I'll say who Anastasia really was. Anastasia was supposedly a mysteriously powerful woman discovered in 1995 living deep in the forest of Siberia whose extraordinary messages are inspiring millions of readers worldwide to cast away their old lifestyles in pursuit of a more authentic existence. I found this stuff, D. I am not even going to put a link to this on the on our website. Do not link to this. If anybody wants to look it up, they can just search it in Google. We do not need to link to this no, person. No, and they didn't even try hard. Anastasia in Siberia, because, you know, Anastasia is the missing princess because she was killed in 1917. and Yeah, you know, supposedly when Star Nicholas and his children and his wife were all um, executed in a horrific way, yes. that she somehow escaped. And so for yeah. how many decades did they report sightings and people would show up and say, I'm Anastasia? And now that it's 2020, um, pretty much nobody can be her because she would not be alive She'd anymore. Be- Right. She would be a very, very old woman, but just Okay, crazy. the same people that the same people that would believe in this are not drinking corona beer because of the coronavirus. That's probably true, D. It's that same group. Um people. <laughs> they wouldn't be listening to us anyway. No. But I was amazed at some of the stuff you found. This is the weirdest one. This is the, the weirdest, weirdest of all of them. I did find some you know, and there's stuff that people there's there are common practices today that people do, and we could we could do a whole episode to debunk things like Epsom salts and vinegar as a weed killer and um, things like that. Oh, and uh, yeah. planting trees in square holes instead of round holes. There's a lot of silliness. Why square holes? What the heck? Okay, so this came out in December. This showed up, and it was I wouldn't say I would say. Highly regarded sources. and Really? Yes. And so the idea Ugh. is that when you, when you plant a tree, if you make it a round hole, when the roots encounter the edge of where you dug, and presumably the soil. They're going to go around and around. Yes, they're going to go around and around. But if you dig a square hole, the roots don't want to turn a corner, so they'll go ahead and go out into the regular dirt. That's the dumbest thing ever. I know, but... People wrote it as though it was true, and it doesn't take very long for, yeah. And <laughs> our friend Elizabeth Lakata, she runs a whole Facebook group that um, she is constantly having to like go, no, 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 that's not real. And uh, uh, there's one guy in particular, I'm not going to say his name, but he was on PBS all my growing up years into my twenties, and he had all these methods of different things, different concoctions that you put together just from household items. Yes, I debunked that. I 
when I went to the Master Gardener event a couple of weeks ago and I gave this talk, the library had a sale and I went around and I, I found books by that person, like four or five different books. So he made a fortune telling people to, you know, do silly stuff like use mouthwash to, to, I don't know. I just made that one up. Yeah. Um, he's dead. So we can just say it. Jerry. His name's Jerry Baker. Baker. Yeah. Yeah. He's dead. I just looked him up. Um, he published more than 50 books under his brand name. Oh my gosh. And I, I mean, my, my dad was a huge follower of his practices and, um, he called himself America's master gardener. I'm not even sure he was a master gardener. No, but garden rant, um, one of our favorite blogs has taken on Jerry Baker forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at all their stuff. Oh, yeah. you just start to laugh because some of it just seems so silly. And why would people do it? I mean, he probably has like 10 uses for mouthwash out in the garden. Wow. So we, there you go. Once again, we will tell people your best source of information is go down to your cooperative extension site for your state. And if you don't see the answer there, the cooperative extension exists to help provide the answer for you. So you can pick up the phone and call like State Master Gardener Hotline or something like that and get a straight answer that's science based. Yes, you can and do. So our whole episode this week was on basically rotting things and rotten information. Well, the last two sections, the seed part was pretty good, although you almost threw the seeds into the fire. We had the quackery, but we had the quackery part at the end of the seed part. That's true. The quackery seed. So so no quackery, people. We love you. Keep listening to us. Right. And the only, the best dirt is the dirt you make with your own compost. So we'll have all those compost books for kids that we'll list. See, it's all good. But don't throw your seeds in the fire from the UK because um, Chiltern sends them from a crazy farm called Crowmarsh Battle Barns, which just makes me laugh. For heaven's sakes, do not put your seeds in your mouth before you sow them. Heavens to Betsy, no, no, no. No, because Datura would be another special seed to put in your mouth and hold under your tongue. Please don't do that. Don't do it at all. But it's crazy stuff's out there that people believe, Dee. There is, and Jerry Baker was very famous. But you know what? We're going to be famous for giving people good information on gardening. That's right. So thank you, everyone, for listening to The Garden Angelus. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a review. That helps us get noticed by others. Yes, and be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. It was lovely to chat with you over the Garden Gate today. Bye until next week. Bye.